welcome to the Hope City Church podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. I got a message tonight that uh, the Lord actually put on my heart last weekend. While I was getting ready for church last weekend, I already knew what I wanted to talk about tonight. It was something the Lord put on my heart. And I'm excited for it. I'm excited to share it with you. And um, uh, I want to I share this with you. Do you guys remember? Who remembers the Kool-Aid man? I don't know how you forget about the Kool-Aid man. The Kool-Aid man is a cool man. Being born in the 70s, Kool-Aid's been around for like... I don't know, I think Adam and Eve probably had Kool-Aid in the garden. It's this strange chemical compound that we've all been tricked into putting into our water and drinking and thinking it's delicious. Kool-Aid's been around for forever. The Kool-Aid man, though, when I was growing up in the 80s, the Kool-Aid man um, was marketed and they had these amazing commercials and it was always about these kids that were either like playing and doing sports or there's one that they were like solving a crime they were chasing bank robbers I just watched this commercial yesterday it was from 1978 and these kids are running around and they're they're chasing the kids like I sure get thirsty chasing bank robbers sure that's plausible (laughs) And they had, like, this cop that looked like a, a British cop from, like, the 50s, you know, with, like, the big bobby hat. And he was running around with them, and they were doing, like, the silly run, like, all that kind of stuff. And, and so the kid's like, I sure get thirsty when I'm chasing bank robbers. And then all of a sudden, there's this brick wall at the back, and all of a sudden, you know what happens. The Kool-Aid man busts through. And he breaks through that wall, and he brings his goodness of Kool-Aid beverage, and he saves the day. Do you guys remember these commercials? The Kool-Aid man is always breaking through these walls. He's always showing up when somebody needs him to, and he's bringing what they need. And as I was thinking about church during our fast, how is everybody's fast going? We've got one more week of our fast left. Are you going to make it? Yeah, you're going to make it. You're not just going to make it. You're going to make it to the other side. And you're going to be better than when you started out before. There's going to be things in your life that were hanging on to you before you started this fast that are not going to be hanging on to you when we finish the fast. There's lies that you've believed. There's walls that you've built around yourself. There's hurts that you found at a home. But as you get to the end of this fast next Sunday, those things in the name of Jesus are going to be broken off of you. I'm a whole lot more excited about that than apparently you all seem to be. The Kool-Aid man. Back to the Kool-Aid man. I'm telling you this story about the Kool-Aid man because the Lord said to me to tell you all that he's ready to break through in your life like the Kool-Aid man breaks through. He's ready to bust through that back wall right when you need him. And there's things that you need in your life where you need God to show up, where you need him to break through walls, where you need him to break through defenses, where you need him to break off chains. And he is fixing to break through into your life and do what only he can do. God is fixing to move like the Kool-Aid man, but way better. So open your Bibles with me to 2 Samuel. Chapter 5. 2 Samuel chapter 5. 
want you to stand up with me as we read this together. 2 Samuel chapter 5. We're going to look at verse 17. It says, When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king of Israel, they mobilized all their forces to capture him. But David was told they were coming, so he went into the stronghold. The Philistines arrived and spread out across the valley of Rephraim. Father, I thank you tonight for your spirit, for your word. God, I thank you that you put your words in my heart, my mouth, my tongue, that I say only the things that you owe me to say. God, I ask that you open up our hearts and our eyes and our ears to receive your truth that brings life, that brings wholeness. Father, and continue to do a work that only you can do. Jesus, we love you. We say, have your way tonight. Amen. Amen. Why don't you go ahead and sit down? I'm trying to find somewhere to, you know what, I don't know what this big thing is, but I'm going to stand behind it. Don't tell nobody. It's like the perfect, it's the perfect height for me. Well, it's okay. You can all see me. I'll wander a little bit. You know that I'll, I'll, I always wander. Maybe we could light these candles. That'd be nice too, wouldn't it? I'm sure somebody would not be happy if we lit them, though. So I want to talk to you about God breaking through your life, God breaking through your circumstances, God showing up exactly when you need him to, exactly how you need him to, doing something that only he can do. We can all do stuff, can't we? Like, we can all figure life out. We can figure out, you know, how to get mortgages and, and how to go to the doctor and get better and how to rest and what vitamins to take and what food not to eat because some food apparently makes you sick. If you eat junk food all the time, apparently it's not good for you. I don't really agree with that, but that's what I'm told anyways. But God is wanting to break through into your life. So here we are in 2 Samuel chapter 5, and I want to read through this, and I want to make a few points to you, and I want to talk to you tonight about what it looks like when God breaks through into your life and how to help that happen. 2 Samuel 5, 17, we're going to go back to. It says this, Philistines heard David had been anointed king of Israel. They mobilized all their forces to capture him. Say all and say capture. But David was told they were coming, so he went into the stronghold. The Philistines arrived, and David spread out across the valley of Rephraim. The first thing I want to remind you of, we talked a little bit about this last week, is that the, it says the enemy mobilized all their forces to capture David. The enemy is after you. He does not want you out being in life, being successful, being happy, being whole, telling people about the good works that Jesus did for you. He wants you bound up. He wants you captured. It says the enemy sent all the forces, all of it. And you know, when you read the Bibles, I I don't know what you guys have been reading during this fast, but I love... um, 
the history books in the Bible. So Kings, Chronicles, First and Second Samuel. I love reading those stories. And I was reading in First uh, Kings and Second Kings a couple days ago. And there was one battle that they had to fight. And the Bible says that the Israelites, at the command of the Lord, went out and just licked the enemy. Just smoked them. And it said that they slew 100,000 of the enemy in that day. 100,000 people. That's like the population of Abbotsford. Give or take. So when it says the enemy came out with all their forces, I want to remind you, the enemy comes after you with everything he's got to take you out, to stop you in your tracks. We talked about this last week. 1 Peter 5.8 says the, um, the enemy roars around, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking to devour you, to get rid of you, to take you out, to be done with you. And it says that when they heard that David had become king, when David stepped into what God had finally said, remember, remember way back when David was playing his harp to the sheep? And singing songs to the Lord. Do you guys remember that? I mean, okay. Like, I don't, great. A little so weird. A little weird boy playing songs in his harp to the sheep. But he's out there, and we all know the story. The prophet shows up and anoints him the king of Israel. says, you're going to be the king of Israel. And he's like 16 years old. We're here now, all these years later, David is finally anointed king. And when his enemy hears about it, their first response is, we don't want David stepping into what God has called him to do. So we're going to bring out all our forces and try and stop him. When you try and step out into what God has called for you to do, the enemy is going to get up and say, I don't want Josiah to do this. So I'm going to bring everything I got at Josiah and try and stop him and capture him. It says they wanted to capture him. And listen, they didn't have NATO back then. They didn't have like alliances and treaties about how you treated your prisoners of war. Back then, when they captured you, they captured you and then killed you. The enemy is after you. He wants to stop you dead in your tracks so that you don't go any further into what God has called you to do. It says the enemy mobilized all their troops desiring to capture. Then it says this. So he, in verse, the very end, he, being David, went into the stronghold. The Philistines arrived and spread out across the valley of Rephraim. I want to ask you today, is the enemy spreading out in your life? When you look across the valley of your life, when you take stock of what your life looks like, do you see the enemy spreading across the valley? When you get up and you open the windows of your heart and the windows of your life and you look out there and say, what do I see out there? Do you see the enemy? Do you see death? Do you see disease? Do you see destruction everywhere you look? What do you see? Then it says this, David was in the cave. And verse 19 says something really interesting. It says, David asked the Lord, should I go out to fight the Philistines? Will you hand them over to me? Listen, when the enemy spreads out, when the enemy comes to attack you, when the enemy is looking to stop you dead in your track, we see here, what does David do? He retreats. He pulls back. He runs into the stronghold. But let me say this to you. When you retreat and you pull back and you withdraw, don't just run and hide. 
retreat and seek the Lord like David did. He ran away not to protect himself, not saying, oh my gosh, this is so scary. What am I going to do? Because this is David. We've heard about David and his valiant men. We've heard about David slewing, slaying Goliath. This punk little boy who showed up when everybody else was scared. And he, yes, I said is scared. I don't know why, but I said is scared. And he, he runs and he grabs this stone and he runs at this big, huge, massive, nasty, gnarly looking enemy and throws a rock at it and kills that guy. That's the David we're talking about. So when it says David retreated, we've got to say, why did David retreat? Because it's not in David's nature to be afraid or scared, really, is it? So we see that David retreated and withdrew for the purpose of seeking God. When you see the enemy coming at you, when you see the enemy aligning themselves against you, teaming up with other enemies and saying, we're going to war, we're going to war on this marriage, we're going to war on this body, we're going to war on this mind, we're going to war on these emotions, we are going to war on these finances, I'm taking this person out, I don't care what it takes, but we're all going to team up together and we're going to war on this person. When you see that happening in your life, you need to pull back, but not pull back because you're afraid and you don't know what else to do. You got to pull back. And seek the Lord. Retreat with the purpose to seek the face of God. I like this table. I need more stuff up here. So then we see this. David says to the Lord, should I go out to fight the Philistines? Will you hand them over to me? The Lord replied to David, yes, go ahead and I will certainly hand them over to you. David went to Belperasim and defeated the Philistines there. And the Lord did it, David exclaimed. He burst through my enemies like a raging flood. So he named that place Belperasim, which means the Lord who burst through, like the Kool-Aid man. Man, it's, it's because the Kool-Aid man is a perfect picture. Because always in those dumb commercials, I don't know who came up with it, but always there's like a wall there. And all of a sudden this weird, huge pitcher of juice comes busting through the wall to meet the needs. And I'm telling you tonight... Listen, yes, it's silly, but the Lord will use the foolish things to confound the wise. And so there's a picture. The Lord is going to bust through your life into your circumstances, breaking down those walls, busting off those chains, breaking down those lies to break you free. Going back to my table. This is me wiping the spit off my face as well. So I want to show you three things in this, in this short passage of Scripture that are very important. Three things. Three things that will... How do I want to say this? Three things that will allow the Spirit of God to break into your life. Because I'll tell you this. There are things that you can do in your life that will hinder the Spirit of God from being able to break through. 
You can stop the Spirit of God from being able to work in your life. And that means that you can also do things that cause, that allow the Spirit of God to work freely in your life. And I want to show you something, some three, key, three things. Say three. three. All right, so the first thing I want to show you here is this. The first thing, David retreated, he withdrew, and what does he do in that place? David asks the Lord. Everybody say, David asked. David asked the Lord, should I go to fight the Philistines? So the first thing, the first step you need to take is you need to ask the Lord when you pull away, when things in your life are not going the way that you know that they should be going, when things in your life are not lining up to what the Word of God says your life should look like, what your mental state should look like, what your physical body should look like, what your finances should look like, what your kids should look like, what anything else you can think of. If it's not lining up, the first thing you need to do is pull back and go and talk to the Lord. Seek the Lord. Submit your issue to the Lord and say, Lord, what should I do? What a novel thought. Isn't that a novel thought? Asking God what we should do in our life. Asking God when we find ourselves in a in a place where you don't know what to do and you're not sure how you're going to get out of it, you stop, pull back, and say, God, what do you think I should do? Submit it to the Lord. Submit your problem to the Lord. Say, God, help me figure this out. You show me a way out because I can't see a way out. I don't know what to do. So you ask the Lord. Everybody say, ask. Ask the Lord. Ask the Lord. And I love this. This is just a side note here. It says, David asked the Lord, and what did he ask him? A very specific question. I feel like the Lord wants to tell some of you tonight that you don't have the answers to your problems because you don't ask specific questions. A lot of us go and seek the face of the Lord and, and ask these open, wide-ended, vague questions about, what should I do about this? Hey, God, what do you think I should, I should do in my life? A million things. There's a million things you could do in your life. You could fly on a ship to Mars. You could grow banana trees in the South Pacific. What do you mean, what do I think you should do? David asked a very specific question of the Lord. Should I go fight these people? Ask God specific questions in your life. So that you get specific answers. Don't ask these vague questions that are so open-ended that you could get any kind of answer. Well, the Lord told me that I was supposed to move to Tahiti. Oh, great. Okay. What are, what are you going to do there? I don't know yet. The Lord will show me when I get there. Great. Good for you. Congratulations. Ask specific questions of the Lord. But the first thing for God to break through in your life, to come crashing through that wall, is to retreat and ask the Lord what he thinks should happen. Everybody say it again. Ask. The Lord replies in verse 19 to David, Yes, go ahead. I will certainly hand them over to you. Mm. Here's what I love. David is listening. How many times, you don't have to put up your hands and answer this question because I fear all of our hands would be up. How many times do you go and talk to the Lord and you just talk and talk and talk and talk and you probably talk his ear off and he says, 
Mm. Child, please. I just want to say something to you, but you're doing all the talking. Blah, 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 blah. And then you get up and leave, and you spend no time listening for the direction and the leading of the Holy Spirit in your life. We come into the presence of God saying, I don't know what to do. My life looks so bad. I've got so many problems. I don't know how I'm going to fix this. I don't know where I'm going to go. I don't know what I'm going to do in this situation. Okay, well, that's my time. I got to go. And the Lord says, I haven't even got to give you the answer to any of your questions have you ever talked to somebody like that oh my gosh can we be real isn't it terrible it's terrible and you just sit there like this barrage of words is coming at you and you try and jump in and say something and you're just over talked and you leave the conversation and you're like that was completely useless and a waste of my time David listened for a response from the Lord. He asked the Lord, and then he waited and listened to the words of the Lord. And then, very wisely, David acted. Says 19, he asks. Verse 19b, he listens. And verse 20 says, so David went to Baal Perizim and defeated the Philistines there. If you are looking for God to break through in your life, if you are looking for God to show up and show you how to move and show you what you need to do and show you the way through to the other side, if you're facing a Red Sea in your life, if you're looking around and you're wandering in the desert of your life and you feel like you've got no food and you're lost and there's no pillar of fire and there's no cloud of smoke and you don't know what to do you need to go and ask the lord you need to retreat and pull back and say god i need to hear from you before i move any further i've got over here and i'm in a mess lord i'm in a pickle but i know you can solve it for me i know you know the way out of here i know that you can do things that nobody else can do and so i'm gonna pull back and i'm gonna ask you and then i'm gonna do this and just sit and wait and I'm going to listen. And I'm going to tune my ear. I'm going to say, God, what are you saying? And here's a novel idea. I'm going to shut up until he says something. You said shut up. Yeah, I did. Uh, because a lot of us need to shut up in the presence of the Lord. I hate to tell you this, but he knows a whole lot more than any of us. And so when we're in his presence, maybe we should zip it and listen to what he has to say because clearly the decides and the decisions and the things that we've planned and the ways that we've walked and the things that we've worked out are not working out. And so what do we need to do? Pull back, ask questions, sit down and listen, and then when he answers, what do we do? Exactly what he says. You act on what God says to you. And here's the thing about the Lord. I love the Lord and I love the way he works because he never works the way that I would have figured to work something out. I was reading in 1 Kings chapter 17 about the widow at Zarephath. You guys remember that lady? Oh, I love that story. Prophet Elijah has just told everybody that there's not going to be any rain for as long as until he says it's going to rain again. And so the, the Lord says, okay, 
uh, go down by a river, go down by this creek, and I'm going to have birds take care of you. Okay. So the Bible says that ravens bring meat to the prophet Elijah, and he lives down by this river, and he's eating meat brought from birds, which is not sanitary, but it's still the way the Lord chose to work. And he's got water to drink from the creek. Listen, you realize that if Elijah had not listened to the Lord, he would have been hungry, wouldn't he have? The Lord does not work the way that you or I plan or think or understand. He does crazy things and says, go down here, I'm going to have birds feed you. Oh, of course you are, Lord, because how else would I get food but from the birds? That makes perfect sense. The water drives up, dries up in the creek, and the Lord says, go to Zarephath. There's a lady there that I've directed to take care of you. And so the prophet Elijah rolls into town, and he sits down, and, and he sees a lady out walking around. And he says, hey, excuse me, can you get me a glass of water? Probably a pitcher or something. I don't know. He probably didn't say glass, but, you know, can you get me a drink? And she's out there picking up sticks. And she says, okay. And so she goes to go walk off and go grab him some water. And he's like, oh, excuse me, just a minute. Also with the glass of water, can you get me like a little piece of bread, something else to eat too? I'm a little, it's a little peckish, a little hungry. Can you just grab me some, something to eat? And she says, my Lord, b- before you and the Lord, um, I am collecting sticks to go home and cook the little bit of flour and a little bit of oil that I have left, this is a terrible statement, for me and my son to eat and then die. Yeah, I was like, oh, that's a little dramatic. And I love Elijah's response. He says, you can look at this. First Kings chapter 17 starts in verse 7. You should look at this for yourself. He says, uh, okay, go ahead and do what you've said. But I want to tell you the Lord says this, that when you begin to cook and bring me that bread, the oil and the flour that you have will not run out until the famine is over. Now here's the thing. That lady could have rejected what Elijah said and could have said, you're crazy. This is nuts. I'm going to go home and make my little death cake and eat it and we're going to die. Quite a faith woman. But she did what the prophet said. And here's the thing. In verse 7, when God is talking to Elijah, he says this. There is a widow that I have directed to take care of you. It means the Lord had already talked to that woman that someone was going to come and that her salvation and her way through her life, the way through the Red Sea of her life, the way through the storm of her life was found in obeying whatever the Lord said to her and whatever this guy said to her. You've got to ask the Lord. You've got to listen to what God says. And then here's the thing. No matter how crazy it seems to you in the natural, no matter how weird, no matter how little sense it makes to you, you've got to act out what he said. The blessing is always in obedience. The Lord cannot bless disobedience. 
So many times I've had conversations with people in their life and they say, I don't know why all these bad things are happening. I don't know why my life doesn't make sense. I don't know why this, that, or the other. And we talk about, well, what is the last thing the Lord said to you? And did you obey it? So many times we get stuck right where God says, this is your way through. Jake, this is how you're going to get through this problem. This is how you're going to get to the other side. And so many of us at different times of our life, we say, I just can't take that step. It doesn't make any sense to me, and I just can't get from here to there. And so I stay put. And God is saying, if you will just come farther, I'm going to bust through that wall like the Kool-Aid man and bring everything that you have need. I'm just waiting for you to obey and do what I've said because I'm going to break through. And listen. He asks, he listens, and then he acts, and then what happens right here? It says in verse 20, David went, he acted to Baal Perazim and defeated the Philistines. And he said, The Lord did it. It wasn't me, it was the Lord. The Lord bust through. And he says, He names that place Baal Perazim, which means the Lord who breaks through. The New King James actually says it this way that he is the master of the breakthrough. God is the master of the breakthrough, like a master craftsman. He's the master of the breakthrough in your life. He knows what he's doing. He knows just how to do it. Why? Because he's a master of it. It means there's no problem too hard. It means there's no situation that he doesn't understand. And he says, well, I don't know, man. Jake, you've really made a mess of things this time. And uh, to be frank, I don't think you're going to get through it. Like, well, I can't, I can't figure it out. We used to work at a gas station in high school, and um, our boss was a master mechanic. And I was like, man, that sounds cool. Like a master mechanic. I was like, what, what does that mean? Like, what does a master mechanic mean? And he's like, it means that I can fix anything on a car. It doesn't matter what's happening. It doesn't matter what's going on. I know how to fix it. And right here, David says that God is the master of the breakthrough. So I don't know what you're believing for. I don't know what God needs to do in your life. I don't know what's happening in your circumstances. But I'm here to tell you tonight by the Spirit of God that if you will ask, if you will listen, and you will act, God is going to bust through the master of the breakthrough into your life and do what only he can do in ways that only he can do it. That's making me happy. Brendan, you should be more happy about what I'm saying right now. So, here's an interesting little side note. If you read that story, if you read this story going on from verse 20, here's what happens. And it's really interesting. So 21 says, the Philistines had abandoned their idols there. I'm almost done, guys. They had abandoned their idols there, and David and his men confiscated them. But verse 21 says this, and it's really interesting. It says, but after a while, the Philistines returned and again spread out across the valley of Rephraim. And then you see this. It says, and again, David asked the Lord what to do. And he said, don't attack them straight on, the Lord replied. Instead, circle around behind and attack them near the poplar trees. And when you hear the sound like marching feet in the tops of the, pop, of the poplar trees, be on alert. 
That will be the signal that the Lord is moving ahead of you to strike down the Philistine army. So David did what the Lord commanded, and he struck down the Philistines all the way from Gibeon to Gezer. Gezer. Here's what I think is interesting. So many times in our life, maybe we get breakthrough in an area. But just like it says in verse 21, but after a while, the enemy gathered together, they got themselves back together, they licked their wounds, and they showed back up at David's front door. And they said, we're going to try this again. We weren't happy with how it went the first time, so we've got our friends together, we're sitting outside your front door, and we're here to take you hostage. We're here to capture you. We've brought everybody we know, and we're parked up front your front door, and we're coming for you. And so many times in our life, when that happens, we say, oh, man, I've messed up. I did something wrong. That wasn't the Lord before, because if it was the Lord, then I wouldn't be back in the same place again. I wouldn't be facing these same demons again. I wouldn't be facing these same emotions again. I wouldn't have these same problems in my life again if it was really God that got me through that last time. Something must have gone wrong. Something must be messed up, because here we are staring at the same things again. But I want to tell you something. That's not the truth. The enemy is always looking to regain lost ground in your life. He's not satisfied with you having freedom. He doesn't want you to have breakthrough. John 10.10 says the thief comes to do three things in your life. He wants to steal from you. He wants to kill you. And he wants to destroy you. That's his whole mission statement. Hi, welcome to hell. Here's my mission statement. To steal, kill, destroy. And so... When you get breakthrough in your life, when you start making some headway, when things are going great, the enemy says, I just don't like this. Not one little bit. So I'm going to get all my friends together, and we're going to go stand outside your door, and we're going to do this over and over and over again. But what do we see also happen over and over and over again? We saw that David went back and said, hey, Lord, here I am again. Got some problems in my life. I know I can't do this on my own, so what should I do? And the Lord says, hey, this time, let's be crazy. Let's do something weird. Go around behind them, and I'm going to make the trees sound like somebody's walking in them. That's the signal. It's like, I'll give you a signal. He's like, okay, what's the signal? You'll know the signal. You'll know the signal. I don't feel anybody would have known that signal. I don't know what it sounded like. But David you go there, and when you hear this sound, that's the signal. Go out and attack him. And David says, well, okay. So here we go. And he goes out and does it. And what happens? The Lord breaks through again. You've got to seek the Lord. Retreat from your circumstances. You find yourself in a swamp of life. If you find yourself surrounded and you don't know what to do, retreat and seek the Lord. Don't just pull away and hide. Don't just run away with your tail between your legs. Retreat. Pull back regroup and seek the Lord and ask questions. And then you need to make sure you take time to listen to what he's saying. And when you listen to what he's saying, don't just stop there. Don't just say, God, it's, it's a bridge too far. I can't do that. I can't go there. I don't, it doesn't make any sense to me. God, it doesn't make, any, doesn't make any strategic sense. I'm sure David said, this doesn't make any sense at all to go around behind people. They're going to see me. They're going to see our army. And then I'm supposed to wait for what? Till what it sounds like people are walking in the trees. I don't even know what that sounds like. What does that even mean? God says, don't worry about it you'll know just trust me and David says I do trust you 
I do trust you. You know why? Because I've seen you work and move in my life. So I'm going to trust you again and again and again because I know that you are the master of the breakthrough. God is the master of the breakthrough in your life. Stand up with me. Your breakthrough, your breakthrough. Who, who needs a breakthrough in their life, in some area of their life? Physical, emotional, spiritual, financial. Stick them up really high so everybody can look around. Okay, so we're not alone, are we? Everybody's got things in their life where they need to see God break through. They need to see the master of the breakthrough show up in their life. Your breakthrough is directly tied to your obedience of his word to you. You've got to ask, you've got to listen, you've got to obey. You've got to act out what he says to do, when he says to do it, and how he says to do it. Sir, yes, sir. This don't make no sense. But I think we've both proved out of the two of us out of you, Father, and me, I think we both proved that you probably know more. I'm going to give this one to you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to take you at face value because you're the master of the breakthrough. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, I thank you all across this place you are the master of the breakthrough. God, I ask right now by your spirit that you are pointing out those areas in our life that we need to obey you in. That we've asked and that we have maybe listened but not acted. God, I'm asking right now by your spirit that you are showing us those things, that you are revealing those things to us so that we can step out and watch you move in our life because you are the master of the breakthrough. Father, I thank you right now in the name of Jesus that you are breaking through, that you are setting captives free, that you are breaking off chains, addictions, fears, hurts, wounds, lies, doubt, depressions. You are breaking off those chains. You are breaking through our minds. You are breaking through our hearts. You are breaking through our emotions. You are breaking through in our finances. You are breaking through in our families. God, you are the master of the breakthrough. And you are showing yourself alive and strong in everything we are facing because we put our trust in our faith in you. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you are drawn closer to Jesus and that his spirit, his love, and his life are filling you right now. If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more. And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. And oh, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope.